And we are on air for Fan for Racing's Talladega NASCAR Race Review, along with our Hot Topic Sound Off at 10 p.m. this evening. Joining me as co-host for tonight is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Well, thank you, Sharon. Yet again, got to play a little bit of uh, flexibility here with the schedule with the uh, postponement of the Talladega race. We're here on a Tuesday night. Uh, not that we haven't done that before, so that's not quite new this year. But, again, just got to be flexible throughout the year, I guess. Yeah, it's just been one of those years for sure. Uh, this is Tuesday, June the 23rd. So uh, uh, just for a point of reference for those who are tuning in. Now, I'm going to go over our agenda here for this evening. We've got a lot to cover uh, in the next two hours. We're going to start with the preview of the Arkham Menard Series race at Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, we've got about 10 minutes before Drew Dollar uh, comes and joins the conversation with us. He'll talk about winning his first career series victory at Talladega Super Speedway this past weekend. Uh, then at 9 o'clock, we'll get into a few updates from the NASCAR Gander and our, the Outdoor Truck Series, as well as the ARCA East and West. Uh, at about 9.20, we'll get into the NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Talladega and review that event. And at 9.40, our review continues with the NASCAR Cup Series at Talladega. 10 o'clock, of course, is our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off with our Fan for Racing crew, and I believe we are it, Jay, for the Fan for Racing crew tonight. Oh, wow, we're all alone again tonight. That's uh, that's too bad. I know Mike and uh, Andy stay pretty busy, though, so uh, appreciate the fact that they can come on when they can. Exactly. I know Andy said he'll be here Thursday. Uh, I'm hoping that Mike will be here Thursday as well. All right, with that, uh, let's go ahead and get into this Arkham Art Series race. Uh, it was a pretty uneventful race up until about the last two laps, Jay. Did you get a chance to watch it? I did. I had to watch it on replay, but uh, with the ARCA series, and, and truthfully, I, I think all the series um, as a whole were pretty mellow. I know we had some uh, wild finish there to the cup race, but the Arkham Menard series, that one can tend to lend itself to a little bit of a wreck fest, if you will, but I think all the drivers uh, did a great job. Uh, again, when it comes down to the finish, you know, it's game on then, so that's that's to be expected. Exactly. Okay, Drew Dollar was the winner. He is a rookie this season. I think it was just his fifth start uh, that he won uh, the third race for Venturini Motorsports this season. Uh, They are three for three this season, and uh, it was his first career series win. So uh, pretty exciting for Drew Dollar to finish uh, in the number one spot in uh, that number 15 car for Venturini. Uh, Venturini was second place as well with Ryan Repko, and uh, in third place was Brett Holmes. uh, And uh, he is the hometown guy, Brett Holmes. Riley Earps finished in uh, fourth place, and Michael Self was the fifth place finisher. Well, speedway race lends itself to that, and I don't want to say upset wins, but some names maybe you don't normally see 
at the top of the board, mixed in with Michael Self. Uh, he was obviously one of the pre-race favorites. We've seen what he can do on super speedways. And that's why I love these super speedways. I know some fans don't don't like to see him, the pack racing, the, the father leader. But uh, we saw some great racing. And, and to me, it is a, a matter of then you got to watch the whole race. It's not just about those last five laps. I know that's what determines the winner. But it is also throughout the race, the strategy that the team puts in, the, the calls that are made on pit road and positioning yourself to be in that final five lap battle to have a shot at it. That's so right. uh, again, fans need to watch the entire race. It, it's one of those of you can't watch the end of a baseball game or a football game. Cause it's what, what happens prior <laughs> to that, that builds to that finish. That is so true, Jay. And thank you for saying that the, the, the entire race is definitely worth watching. Uh, and, uh, I just uh, am so amazed with what Drew Dollar was able to do at Talladega Super Speedway, but also what Venturini Motorsports is doing this year. Um, They had three drivers in the top five drivers uh, in the finishing order here. Well, and we've seen this in the last several years. Uh, I know they went through a little bit of a lull, if you will. Uh, They were what ARCA Racing was. Uh, in their heyday, uh, and I don't even want to say in their heyday because they're returning to that. So um, you go mm-hmm. through that lull. I know they struggled with it, and they went to work, and they have come out strong. I'd say in the last three years, we've seen that they're they're getting back to where they're saying, "Hey, we're the we're the standard bearer here in this series. You want to beat us or you want to win, you're going to have to go through us." Exactly right. Now, do you want to go over the uh, series point standings, Jay? All right, let me pull up the standings you said. All right, now with Michael Self's fifth-place finish, he does maintain the points lead uh, atop the board, 11 points up over second place, now Drew Dollar. And their stat lines are one race off, it looks like. Uh, Both of them have a win. Michael Self has three top fives versus two for Drew Dollar, and then their top tens are the same. So only 11-point difference. We saw Haley Deegan come in in second place, uh, only a couple points out. She is now 14 back. Fourth with that good run there you mentioned, Brett Holmes. He moves up into the fourth spot. He is 24 points back, but we're only three races into the season. Fifth place, I like this. you got Thad Moffitt now, 27 points back. Um, but again, as these rookies and, and drivers in this series get settled into the year as we can get underway again now, see how much that shuffles up. But the cream's going to rise to the top. you got to be one of those. Six on back there. Absolutely. We have Tanner Gray. I'm sorry. Um, I just said absolutely. Tanner Gray. <laughs> yep. Uh, Tanner Gray in the sixth spot is 30 points back. Riley Herbst now. Get into a couple drivers that have only made two starts. So Riley Herbst in seven is 52 back. Sean Core uh, also only two races, 55 back. And then we've got a couple more that have made all three starts. Ryan Huff and Tim Richmond round out your top 10. Okay. So uh, pretty exciting for the Arkham and Art Series. I was glad to see them back on track. Uh, they'll be racing at Pocono uh, this weekend as well. It will be the Arkham and Art Series East racing at Pocono, and we'll certainly be talking about them uh, during our uh, preview show on Thursday. Also, the West is racing, I think, this weekend. Okay, I hadn't looked at that yet. I know uh, Thursday we're set to do the preview. I know we got a big preview weekend coming up for Pocono uh, as we're going to have two cup races. 
the Xfinity, the trucks, as well as the uh, Arkham Menards East. And we'll have to take a peek at that as far as when the West is able to kick off. Okay, yeah, well, we'll we'll uh, talk about that at the, during the nine o'clock half hour, but uh, definitely uh, a big deal this weekend um, at Talladega Super Speedway, and uh, the results that uh, took place there for the General Tire 200. Now, the General Tire, it's the General Tire anywhere as possible 200 at Pocono uh, this weekend, so. Uh, Definitely looking forward to that event as well. Uh, and that will be the Arkham and Art Series that is racing at that race. Okay, so it is the main series. i got to go back to my home page. Yeah, I'm just double-checking here. Yeah, it is okay. the, it is the uh, uh, main series that will be racing at Pocono. So I just wanted to clarify that and make sure we had the right information there. Um, coming up here in just uh, a few minutes is uh, our guest, Drew Dollar, with Venturini Motorsports. Uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk with him about getting that very first victory in just five starts in the Arkham Menard Series. Well, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about there again uh, going into the X race then with Pocono coming off of victory. Obviously, that gives you the momentum to just take on that as well as a couple other things. Really looking forward to it. I know with the uh, COVID-19 shutdown, we haven't been able to schedule a lot of guests. So uh, excited to have one uh, back on, especially one their first-time victory. Uh, uh, always love to have those drivers on. Without a doubt, and joining us now is Drew Dollar with Venturini Motorsports. And, Drew, uh, talk about your thoughts going into the last couple of laps there. Uh, you had a little excitement going on before uh, you were able to get to the finish line. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, those last couple of laps, I really didn't know what was going to end up happening. Uh, you know, once one point I thought I was going to be able to take the lead fairly easily, and then another point I thought I was uh, – having to settle for a top five finish and then you know and then i thought i was gonna have to settle for a p2 finish so really all over the place this last couple of laps um you know when we got when we got within 10 to go i uh you know my spotter came over my crew chief they'd been talking and they said uh 10 to go that's when you need to start trying to set up some runs your teammates are going to stick with you well I set up some good runs and uh unfortunately my teammates didn't stick with me because, uh, you know, when it, when it gets down to that mm-hmm. time, it's kind of everyone for themselves. But, um, but yeah, I got some looks at the lead early on in those last couple or in those last 10 laps and, and, uh, kind of drifted back, eventually got back to fifth and, uh, somehow got, got up there up front at the end. Okay. Well, you you came into the race, though, with a lot of confidence. I heard your pre-race interview uh, just before the race started, and you had a feeling that your car was going to be right there at the front. Talk about sure. why yeah, you I had think, that feeling. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think the number one thing is I just get to see the the super hard work that Shannon Rush, my crew chief, and all the Venturini guys put in on the car at the shop. Um, it's nonstop. Obviously, we did take a break because COVID and everything, but but once we got back to the shop, it was it was nonstop, and we had a really good car in Daytona, and it's the same car we had uh, at both those races. So 
I knew the car we were bringing were all, was already really fast because I was so happy with it at Daytona. And uh, we uh, had talked to the 18 who was starting behind us, kind of talked about how we were going to time the start. And, and that, that worked out perfectly, got us up front. And uh, But, yeah, I think I just have a lot of confidence in the team about how fast the car is going to be. And uh, I know that when you have that when you have a fast car on a track like that, you can kind of get, get away and make some extra moves, some different moves that you typically might be restricted from doing if you don't have that, have that super fast car. Okay. And Ben Gerini, uh as an organization is having an amazing year so far, three races, three victories with Michael Self winning at Daytona, then Chandler Smith uh, won the next race, and for all of a sudden it just escaped mm-hmm. me what the next race was. Uh, but I know it was Chandler Smith. Oh, Toledo. Toledo, right? Uh, no, it uh, Chandler Toledo. Smith at, at Phoenix, I assume. Or at Phoenix, Phoenix now, that's yeah. right. Yeah, mm-hmm. Phoenix uh, was the race that Chandler Smith won, and then you came out and won at uh at uh, Talladega Super Speedway. Now, you've only got mm-hmm. five starts in the Arkham and Hart Series. So I'm guessing <laughs> you'd never raced at Talladega before? That's correct. Yeah, the first time at Talladega. Um, it's really similar to Daytona, so I was definitely able to bring a lot of the things I I learned from, from running Daytona back in February, I think it was, but uh, a little bit different. Okay. In what way are they different, Drew? Yeah, the track's just a little bit bigger. In uh, track actually feels a lot bigger in Talladega than it does in Daytona. Daytona feels um, a lot narrower, and you feel like you're having to turn a lot more. Talladega feels like it's it's just uh, just got a lot more room. So uh, you don't get up. To, you know, if you're making a move on the outside, you don't feel like you're even that close to the wall still. So. I think that's kind of cool, and that definitely changes the racing a little bit. Yes, indeed. You can go three and four wide a lot easier, I think, mm-hmm. at Talladega than than at uh, Daytona. Now, joining me is our co-host for tonight, Jay Huseman, and I know he has some questions for you as well. Jay? Well, thank you, Sharon. And first off, uh, first off, I want to say congratulations uh, again. We love having first-time winners here on the show. Uh, I'm sure that is a, a super super exciting moment for you in your career. But I want fans to know who you are and where you came from. So if you give us a brief on, on your career getting to this point, even to be in with the Venturini team. Yes, sir. Well, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. That's where I've grown up. And uh, really started in racing a little bit later than most kids would have. I started driving legend cars when I was about 15 years old. Um, and I was – I drove a Bando for a couple of years, Bandolero car, but Legend Car is really the first race car I was ever in, and uh, drove that when I was 16, 17 years old. Um, and then after I finished with Legend Cars, last year I ran some late models and a little bit of Canon stuff and a couple ARCA races, and then and then this year it's time to go full-time ARCA racing. So definitely, definitely haven't been racing for too long, but... Um, but it's it's been pretty good progress. Well, and, and I got two questions for you there as far as it could be twofold, but you said you had a couple, yes, a couple of starts in the Arkham and Ard series, uh, several in the East with DGR Crosley, which was a Toyota at that time. 
They made the change mm-hmm. over to Ford. You stayed with a Venturini or a Toyota team with Venturini. But for them mm-hmm. to put you in the championship defending car, one, what does that give you as far as confident vote of confidence that, that you know you're moving into that? But also then, what kind of pressure do you feel with that as well? Yeah, I've actually had that question a few times, and it's a good question for sure. But um, for me, the pressure part of it, which is the one that, you know, even guys on the team have asked me that kind of stuff. But I don't feel the pressure that much. I think, uh, I don't know, it's um, maybe I'm crazy not to feel the pressure. But uh, but I just, the confidence that I have in the team kind of takes the pressure away because I feel like it's such a team effort, especially at a place like Venturini. Um that's that's kind of something I haven't hadn't seen before. Obviously, I haven't been in stock cars for long, but but Venturini really makes it a point. Everything's really a team effort, and and the guys, um, you can tell they really care when you're going to the track. They want to win as bad as you do. So, um, but yeah, I think I don't feel the pressure that you would think think someone would in the, in the shoes that I have, just because of how confident I am and in the team and the equipment they bring, and and really just how they've kind of taken me, taken me under their wing and kind of been teaching me things, even in this, even on, even in these three races we run. Well, and with that, obviously, like I said, they, I, they had to have the confidence in you to put you in that car. Um, and mm-hmm. this win obviously shows you can live up to that. And with that, looking at your overall stats, uh, you know, four or five races, you had four top tens, two top fives. So they saw the talent and now you get the opportunity to show that. And and we've seen in the years past, when it comes to Venturini, they're normally battling their team cars as far as when it comes <laughs> down to the end of races and championships. So what's that right. like, knowing that it is your team um, that you're going to be battling because you know you got the same mm-hmm. equipment as them? Oh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, that changes things up a little bit. Obviously, for the championship itself, you can already see it. At least I feel like it's going to be shaping up to be two Venturini cars racing at the end again, uh, as it was last year as well. So I think that's going to be exciting. And, uh, I think that's when the pressure starts to ramp up because you think both of these cars are prepared by the same group of guys. Um, so it's kind of in the driver's hand at that point when you, when you get driver's hands at that point, when you get to the track. So, um, so that, that definitely puts a little bit of pressure on, but also makes it fun when you, when you know you have, you know, equal equipment to someone you're racing against and, and it is in your hands and you've got to just put the work in to, to uh, you know, make it that much better. All right, we're going to talk about uh, Pocono coming up next. Now, anytime you have a good run, you carry that momentum into the next race. But we've mm-hmm. talked to the first-time winners especially. That first win, once you do finally get that first win, again, kind of takes that little bit of pressure off. Uh, yeah, it's, there's a couple that come to mind, but, you know, finish second, third, they know they're right there. Getting that first win, the extra pressure, that <clears throat> does relieve knowing that you can. And then going to a track like Pocono, which isn't a super speedway, but is a big, longer, open track. For sure. I think uh, about getting that pressure off your back, uh, getting that first win, win marked off definitely helps because, um, you know, I really felt we'd win a couple races this year, but to be able to knock one off the list that early on, that's definitely uh, definitely a little bit of a relief to know that you definitely, no matter what happens, you're not going to have a winless year, so that's nice. But, um, but yeah, going to Pocono, I'm already focused on that. I'm I'm excited, and I really want to go win that race because 
Um, I think the Talladega trophy is awesome, but I also think the the Poconos the Pocono trophy is really cool as well. So I definitely want to go win that one. And uh, you know, the first two days after I won Talladega, I, pro- I think I woke up each morning and was was thinking about it. Well, this morning I woke up already thinking about Pocono. So uh, you know, it's Pocono mode now, and and I'm excited to go up there. Venturini's always had fast cars, so I think we'll be good. Well, it shows it shows the signs of a, of a true driver and a true champion. They know it's not about the last race, even though it was a win and that feels great. And it was your first one. You're already mindset's already on the next race and going to Pocono. Um, last last yeah. thing I want to ask here before I turn it back over to Sharon, the uh, the COVID nineteen. You, you talked about that the, the breakdown there and the, and the gap um, between being able to race. You know, you're geared up to go race and start mm-hmm. the season. And then got to take that break. In this case, uh, everybody in the world did. But what what do you do as a driver through that? Uh, did you participate in any of the i racing events? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I did participate in some of the i racing stuff. I think uh, the number one thing about the whole COVID break we had was just the mental side of it, not knowing when you were going to get back to normal, and we still aren't back to normal, so that's tough. But um, I think the mental side of it was kind of tough, but I think the race, the eye racing stuff was able to help kind of keep your mind off of, of everything and, and make you feel like everything was normal for, you know, whatever, if you're in a race for an hour, that's, you know, you kind of felt like everything was, was back to way, to the way it should be. But, um, but also I think part of what kept me sane during that time was, was working out and exercising and, and Toyota did a really good job at, keeping us active on both social media and um, physically, um, you know, kept us eating the right things and drinking the right things. And, and of course, working out every morning and running in the afternoon. The, the group at Toyota, they were giving us, you know, plans, workout plans every day. And, um, you know, every day you'd wake up, get on your phone and check what the workout was for that day and, and uh, go run through that and, and – uh, get that out of the way so that was really good at kind of keeping you engaged and keeping me engaged through the uh through the time we had off and, and ready to come back whenever that was well uh, that was actually really interesting to hear that I, I wouldn't even thought that it's great to hear that that the uh, manufacturer as well as the team i mean obviously i'm sure you were still mm-hmm. engaged with the team but to know that as the manufacturer on down were that engaged with their drivers so that's great to hear once again congratulations on that first win Hope to see many more from you and uh, see you there battling for the championship at the end of the year with your Venturini teammates. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. I appreciate it. All right, Sharon. Okay. Okay, Drew. Uh, I want to kind of get into uh, coming into the season, and I know this season is so unique, uh, but is there a confidence for you for all of the tracks on the on the schedule, or is there – one or two that maybe you're a little bit worried about, or mm-hmm. are there one or two that you really have had circled as these are tracks I can win at? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, I've liked my background. I told you all two years of legend cars and then last year running some late models and, and uh, some of the bigger stock car stuff. And I've never been on a dirt track and I've never been a road course driver. So those are, those are the races that uh, kind of stick out to be something that's going to be a little bit different. But 
who knows what's going to happen with the schedule now. Who knows if we're going to get the road course races in or the dirt track races in. I sure hope so because I am looking forward to trying some different stuff. And and it's so hard to be worried about a race when you're with a team like t- team like Venturini. They bring fast Camrys to the track every time we show up. And, and they also, the driver coaching is really good. Billy Venturini's done this for, for a while. He, he grew up in, in this racing, in the ARCA racing series, really. So, so when you're, when you're with a team like Venturini, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's tough to get nervous about, about stuff when you know you have such a great group behind you. That's, that's really honestly, uh, how I feel about it. Okay, and talk a little bit about uh, your crew chief. Are you, do you have the same crew chief for every race, or do they switch it up? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got Shannon Russ for all my races this year, and, and he's been in the ARCA series for a few years now, and he's got a ton of experience everywhere, so uh, he's a really good fit for me, and, and we've uh, I feel like we've been able to get along really well, especially only three races in to feel like I have really good chemistry with him is, is definitely a big deal. Yeah, that is a big deal and, and something uh, uh, you should feel really, really good about. I want to give you a chance mm-hmm. uh, to do any other shout-outs that you want to do uh, before we say uh, our goodbyes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, obviously, uh, shout-out to Venturini. They're, they're giving me this chance to, to drive, obviously, their championship car, so... Uh, so definitely thankful to them. Um, and shout out to Toyota. They've they've given us a ton of resources. Obviously, the race team gets a lot of resources from them, and uh, and as well as keeping the drive, keeping me a driver sharp and on my game, and prepared to show up at the track every weekend. Okay, fantastic. Now, a lot of times I'll ask people this, especially when we're trying to get to know the driver. Um, and and a lot of people are just getting to know Drew Dollar. Uh, tell us a little something about yourself that we might not already know. Hmm. Well, uh, I guess what, hobby-wise. What do you like to I'm, do when? Yeah. There you go. Hobby-wise, I'd say definitely fishing, um, especially in this quarantine. Did a lot of fishing, did some skeet shooting. Um, but I grew up playing tennis, and that's kind of, that was always my sport, especially before racing started. Uh, that was always always the thing that I did through high school was on varsity and all that. So tennis was always my thing, and then racing came along and kind of took over that. But, yeah, that's that's kind of what I grew up doing. Oh, that's pretty cool to know. Uh, and <laughs> tennis will keep you fit, too. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yep. It's, uh, but, yeah, I think that's a little bit different. Didn't grow up in racing, so. Uh, I think I think part of that's a little bit cool for me. So you're st- are you still in school, Drew? Currently, I'm in a gap year. I uh, graduated high school in 2019, and okay. deferred Texas Christian University a year. So that's the school that I got into, and and uh, decided to take a gap year so I could focus on on the whole racing deal. All right, good deal. I, I was just curious to know if, if uh, a lot of the students that you go to school with do they know that you're a racer? But if oh you're yeah, a gap they, year, they do for sure. And I was getting a lot oh, they of. Do? Uh, uh-huh. And I was getting a lot of texts from um, my a bunch of my buddies from high school. I was they were all texting me and 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 uh, 
they were all watch, a bunch of them were watching the race in Talladega, so they were they were all pumped up to to get to watch that. So that was uh, something Very fun cool. for me this weekend. Was was responding to all their texts after the race. Absolutely, absolutely. That makes it <laughs> uh, gives it that little extra special uh, feel to it. Well, Drew, we're really happy that you're able to come on the show with us tonight. Uh, we enjoyed talking to you. Again, congratulations on that first victory. I've got a feeling we, this is kind of our winner's circle uh, during this 840 <laughs> half hour. Uh, I've got a feeling we might be uh, calling on you to come back and chat with us again throughout the season. Let's hope so, and hopefully it's next week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I hope but it I is. But I appreciate yeah, you guys having great. me. Okay, well, you take care. And how can fans follow you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram. You can just find me at Drew Dollar and, and be able to keep up through that. All right, Drew. Uh, well, you take care. Good luck at Pocono, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you somewhere down the road. Great. Thank you guys so much. Okay, take care now. All right, that was uh, Drew Dollar, and he is with Venturini Motorsports, his very first victory, the third victory for Venturini this season. And uh, it's been a really big year uh, for Venturini Motorsports. So, uh, Jay, your thoughts? So many, so many things there for a, a great interview with, uh, with Drew Dollar. Uh, I know mm-hmm. in a lot of career fields, especially in racing, you know, that, that line between uh, confidence and cocky, you know, I don't see him as being cocky, but he is definitely confident. You know, you mentioned hoping to, yeah. get to talk to him again <laughs> following a win. He's like, well, how about next week at Pocono? You know, I, I like that, you know, and that's what it takes to be I a driver too. and a winning driver. Um, so, uh, but so many things there, and I know we've talked in, and we have a good relationship with Venturini Motorsports. But every time we talk to one of their drivers, especially him as new to the team, I mean, what he talks about that team and what they put into that organization, you know, and that's why they're back on top. Exactly. I love the team uh, attitude that comes out of entering your motorsports, and and, uh, we hear it from everybody that comes on the show from that organization. And it's one of the reasons why they're one of the top teams in the Arkham Menard series. So, uh, really, really enjoyed uh, chatting there with uh, Drew Dollar. Okay, so uh, it is time for us to kind of move on to some updates, uh, Jay. And unfortunately, my computer just went down. Um, I thought I was plugged in and wasn't, and the battery uh, went on me. Oh. So if you can kind of go to the uh, uh uh, series point standings for the uh, truck series. That would be great. All right. Pull that up real quick. And I was going to message you. I didn't get a chance. Uh, we actually had some weather move through about an hour ago, but it, it moved through. So oh. I was like, I thought I was going to have to tell you that. I was like, eh, hopefully my well, internet holds actually, up up there. <laughs> actually, I have it here. Um, and okay. my computer came up a lot faster than I thought it was going to. Um so I can go over the series point standings here for this truck series. Uh, I'll do the first okay. five, and then you can – or wait a second. What is it, the top 12 or top 10? Yeah, I'll do the first five. You can do the next five. Okay? All right. 
Okay, Austin Hill uh, continues to lead the series point standings in the Gander and RV Outdoor Truck Series. Uh, he is uh, 209 points. In second place is Christian Eckes. He raced with Venturini Motorsports just last year, uh, and he's driving the number 18 this year for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, in third place is Grant Infinger driving the number 98 Ford for Thor Sport Racing, and right behind him is his teammate, Ben Rhodes, in the number 99 Ford uh, from Thor Sport. In fifth place is Todd Gilliland driving the number 38 truck, uh, and that also is a Ford. And uh, that is your top five. Uh, between first and fifth, there is 61 points. Uh, and let me take a look at the win column. The only driver in the truck series with wins this season is Grant Infinger. He has two victories. Uh, of course, Kyle Busch will put a wrench into uh, anybody else winning in that truck series, right? <laughs> Kyle Busch and Chase he Elliott. He does, I was going to say, yeah, and then Chase Elliott coming in with that bounty. As we get a little further into the season, we'll see that play out a little bit differently as these drivers are limited to their starts. But the points, again, they'll take care of themselves. Whether the wins are there or not, it does give um, Grant Infinger a little bit of an edge with playoff points as he has got a stage win and 11 playoff points, and no other drivers do as of yet. But I expect to see that change. And picking up there in sixth spot, we have our second rookie in the top uh, of the point standings, along with Christian Yecki, Zane Smith in the number 21. And he is 62 points out, only one behind Todd Gillen. Then is Johnny Sauter, Brett Moffitt, Sheldon Creed, and Tyler Ankrum. And that's where your cutoff right now is going to be, or is going to be, is the 10th spot. Right now it's held by Tyler Ankrum. He's 76 points off the lead. But then you take a peek behind that, 76 I'm sorry, 77 points, Derek Krause, Matt Crafton, a three-time champion and a rookie. Uh, so that, that cutoff spot is going to be really hot and highly contested, especially as we see some of these drivers. Stuart Friesen's in 14th. We've got a couple of rookies right behind them. They get a win and move into those top 10. That, that 10th, 10th spot line there is going to get really interesting. Yes, indeed. Um, and and I, I love watching the racing with the uh, truck series. Uh, these guys go door to door, toe to toe, from the begin from the green flag to the checkered flag. Uh, they really race hard and uh, give a, a really good uh, show, uh, no matter what track we go to. And they are going to be racing at Pocono this weekend, so looking forward to seeing them back on the track. Jay? Lent itself to a little bit more of a gaps. Can you hear me? Yeah, not in the beginning, but we, we can hear you now. All right. Um, talking about the truck series schedule, they've always kind of had it where they had a little bit more gaps as they don't run as many races as the Xfinity and then up to the cup level. Uh, and I know we've talked about that in hot topics, the number of races, the length of the races. So, but so they're kind of used to that gap, not quite like we had with the COVID-19, but it is good to see them getting back here after only a two week break. And I know again, NASCAR is really working diligently on their schedule to try and get them the full allotment of races that was scheduled as well. 
Yes, indeed. And, uh, you know, they've announced uh, the racing through August the 2nd, uh, and I'm sure more will be announced as they're able to put those dates together. Uh, So uh, Truck Series, watch for them to be back in action this week at Pocono, and uh, we just wanted to make sure you had a little bit of a reminder of how the points lie uh, with that Truck Series uh, heading into that into this weekend. Now, also, I want to make sure we do the same thing with the Arkham Menard Series East and West. Uh, the East, let me look at this. The East, uh, from what I can tell, they will be racing at Berlin Speedway on July the 25th. So that will be the next time we see the East uh, on the track. So as far as we know, uh, there's nothing that's told us that that race has been postponed or canceled or rescheduled. As far as I know, that will be the next race we see for the Arkham Menard Series. Um, Do you have anything different, Jay? Uh, No, that's as far as what I know. And they do have their two races in. I know we talked about this uh, on Thursday when we did their review. Um, two races in, Sam Mayer and Ty Gibbs each having a win, separated by only two points in the standings. Rev Racing coming right behind with Nick Sanchez and Chase Cabre. Uh, so going to be some great battling there throughout the year in that Arkham Menards East. Okay. Now, looking ahead to this weekend, we'll go to the, the – well, let's go through the points for the Arkham Menards Series East before we move on. Well, that was that was your top four. Um, let me see if I can bring that back up real quick. That was your top four again: Sam Mayer, Ty Gibbs, Chase Cabre. Whoops. Oh, you did that. Yeah. See, uh, check there. Make sure I got them in the right order. And then fifth place was. Uh, oh, pull that back up, please. Give me just a second on my internet. <laughs> Mm, okay, yeah, it was Nick Sanchez, then Chase Cabre, and Parker Retzcliffe out of your top five. And then right behind them, Giovanni Bramani, Max McLaughlin, Justin Carroll, Mason Diaz, and Derek Griffith as your full top ten. And that would include all drivers that have made both starts so far. And all the way down to tenth, it's only a 47-point gap. Um, so it's a little bit tighter oh, up wow. top, top ten Again, we've got one driver there in the top ten. Derek Griffith has only made one start, picked up a top five. I don't know what his plans is for the rest of the schedule. Okay. Now, I know that uh, we've already mentioned that uh, the uh, uh, Arkham Menard Series, the main series, is racing this weekend. They will be at Pocono and racing on Friday, the 26th of June, at at, uh, 6 o'clock Eastern Time. Again, we will do a preview on that for Thursday, uh, but uh, just to kind of give an update and and, uh, give you kind of an alert of what to watch for coming up with them. Now, for the Arkham and Art Series, West is racing on Saturday, June the 27th, uh, and actually it's a double header for them at uh, uh, Utah, Motorsports Park. So that starts at 4 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, so I believe that would be about uh, 4 o'clock, about 2 o'clock East. No, it would be the other way around, 6 o'clock Eastern. 
So, uh, again, watch for more details on that on Thursday night. But let's go over the points for the Arkham Art Series West. Jay. Well, in the West, again, we'll have to wait and see what race is there on the West side that Sam Mayer de- decides to run. But as of right now, he is the points leader with a win in that series as well. He started out the season so strong. Um, six points up on Jesse Love. Then you got Blaine Perkins at eight back, Gracie Trotter at nine back, Trevor Huddleston at minus 10, six through 10th, Wallace Allen, Jake Wood, Todd Souza, and Austin Reed. And there, oh, I'm sorry, that's only ninth. Uh, Geo Scalzi is 15 back. And from there down, it still continues. Again, only one race in, so a point apiece. As we get into, especially with the doubleheader in Utah, uh, we're going to see these points really sort themselves out. Uh, two races in one weekend, I always kind of like to see that. I know it can be a, a hurdle, especially if you struggle in the first race or have a problem, but uh, these guys are on top teams for a reason. That's what they're there to do. So I think after this weekend, we'll at least see those points settle out and start to really see who's going to contend for the championship. Yes, indeed. Now, I'm looking ahead on the schedule uh, for the races that we know about for the Arkham Menard Series. Uh, next Saturday, July the 4th, that's a week from this Saturday, uh, the Arkham Menard Series West will be racing at Irwindale Speedway, if you want to mark your calendar for that. Uh, let's see, Arkham Menard Series only. Uh, then I have the Arkham and Art Series racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Uh, 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 that is taking place on July the 15th. Uh, several races. Uh, that is also the All-Star Day for the uh, Cup Series. So the Arkham and Art Series will kind of uh, have an afternoon race followed by the All-Star Open and then the All-Star Race all on that same night. Looking ahead well, here further. Go ahead, Jay. As I say, you can ask for a better Wednesday afternoon to evening with that, with the uh, Arkham and Hards and then the, the All-Star Open as well as the All-Star Race for the Cup Series at Bristol Motor Speedway. Uh, great night of action that night. Um, and, again, some of this kind of getting overlapped and bunched together. But uh, the series, you know, working so diligently, working with different states and the tracks that they would normally go to, uh, waiting for approval, especially as we've kind of started to see the integration of fans returning to the tracks at certain ones. So I know coming up, Pocono still hasn't authorized that. Doesn't look like it's going to happen here within the week. But NASCAR is working very closely with with the states, the governments, uh, to make that happen. Absolutely. The next race I have for the Arkham Art Series is at Kansas on July the 24th. Uh, and so that race, if you want to mark it, will be on July the 24th. Now, on the list that they sent us, they did not uh, include that Berlin race on the 25th of July for the uh, ARCA East. So that one, we kind of have to stay tuned uh, to see if they add that in at a later time. But right now it is not on that schedule. So that takes us through all of the races that we know are scheduled for the Arkham Menard Series, the East and the West. So uh, that kind of keeps everybody up to date there. I know, and, and that's going to be such a shame. Uh, some of the ones that, that Drew Dollar mentioned of, of looking forward to running the dirt tracks, the uh, road courses, 
you know, with this scheduled realignment and the, what NASCAR is having to do, as well as the Arkham Nard series under the NASCAR banner, to get in the number of events, maybe at different venues, maybe a repeat at certain venues that are open and authorized. And, uh, you know, it is a shame. I hate to see certain tracks not get their race dates in. Uh, it's one of those you just got to work through the season and do the best that can be done. Exactly right. Exactly right. And that's why we try to take time uh, to let you know in advance when to expect these races to come up so that you can mark them on your calendar. Uh, these are the races that NASCAR has confirmed are scheduled uh, for the Arkham Menard Series uh, teams. So uh, I, is there anything else? Oh, we can refer everybody back to the Arkham Menard Series website. There's some great stories uh, that they put up there with regard to uh, several of the drivers and teams within the Arkham Menard Series. So I know there's one on Haley Deegan that's up. Um, and they do a review of what happened at the last race. And the fact that we've got a couple of pit boxes up there as well, uh, there's the pit box uh, for the quick turnaround to Pocono uh, for uh, people if they want to take a look at uh, what to expect uh, for the Pocono race. There's also... Well, uh, will... Go ahead. We'll add there, uh, and I'll do a quick rundown um, the link to the entry list for this weekend's Anywhere is Possible 200 uh, at Pocono. Another good, solid field, 20 drivers. One that pops out right off the top of my head, we'll see Chandler Smith back in the number 20, uh, Sam Mayer in the 21. I uh, mentioned Derek Griffith in the 22, and Thad Moffitt, Michael Self, Brad Smith, back up to the top. Got a couple of different names in some of the uh, Wayne Peterson card, Don Thompson. See Haley Deegan, she's obviously full-time. Tim Richmond coming back in the 06. Uh, Russ Lane in the number eight. Uh, that'll be a new one there. Ryan Huff in the Andy Hillenberg, as well as Clay Greenfield. Uh, that's a team that runs different drivers. So you'll see Ryan Huff and Clay Greenfield in the Hillenberg cars, as well as Ed Pompa in the number 15. Uh, Brett Holmes and Ty Gibbs as well will be in that race. There you go. As I drew Dollar again, he's running full time. Uh, again, I don't know if is mm-hmm. Ty Gibbs running full time in the um, in the main Arca series. I'm not sure. I what believe his schedule he is. is. Okay, but he is also on the list for this weekend at Pocono. Mhm. So uh, yeah, there's. Uh, it, it looks like it's going to be a fun race and and very competitive. Uh, some of the names that we see here are probably local drivers uh, wanting to take part uh, in that in what the what that series is doing uh, there at Pocono. So a lot to look forward to. All right, um, and again we refer you back to uh, the Arca Racing uh, website. Uh, for more storylines and, and information about the drivers uh, and what to expect, as well as our preview show on Thursday night. Anything else you think we left out as far as updates here between the Truck Series, the East, the West, and the Arkham Menard Series? I don't think so. And as you pointed out, you know, we're, we're giving what information is available to us 
uh, via different uh, websites. I know you got some media contacts that, that you go through. Uh, again, just got to be flexible. Uh, this has been such a crazy year, and it's not finished yet, uh, unfortunately. Uh, I don't, again, I don't know if we'll go back to what we consider normal. So got to go with what we can and, and give you the best updates that we can. Exactly. A new normal is developing. <laughs> That's, there you go. Okay. So with that, uh, let's go ahead and get into our review of the ARCA, of the ARCA, I'm so used to saying ARCA now, of the Xfinity Series race that took place at Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, that was an exciting race. Uh, we had uh, race winner Justin Haley. Uh was hoping we could get Justin on the show here tonight. Uh, but uh, sometimes these schedules are really hard. Uh, these drivers are real busy, and uh, they're not always available. Uh, so let's go with uh, the 29th annual Unhinged 300 at Talladega Super Speedway that took place Saturday, June the 20th. Race winner was Justin Haley at the age of 21 years, uh, driving the number 11 Leaf Filter Gutter Protection Chevrolet for Colleague Racing and with his crew chief, Alex Yontz. Uh, it was his first victory in 47 NASCAR Xfinity Series races. It was his first victory in seventh top ten finish this year. Also his first victory in second top ten finish in two races at Talladega Super Speedway. Ross Chastain finished second, posting his first top ten finish in six races at Talladega Super Speedway. It is his ninth top ten finish this year. Chastain also won the Dash for Cash for that $100,000 bonus. Jeb Burton finished third, posting his first top ten finish in two races at Talladega Super Speedway. Jesse Little was 13th. He was the highest finishing Sunoco rookie of the race. And Justin Haley, Ross Chastain, Jeff Burton, Austin Sindrick all qualify for next week's Dash for Cash uh, bonus at Pocono Raceway. So uh, any thoughts there on those drivers, Jay? Well, the one stat that that got left off of here, um, as far as Justin Haley picking up that Xfinity Series win, is now one of 32 drivers uh, yes. have won in all three of NASCAR's top three series. You know, picked up the cup win there, not running full-time um, last year at Daytona. So this actually completed that list. Most of them normally complete the list by getting a cup win or some that go back and get a truck, truck win. Uh, he's been more regular in the Xfinity series, but actually had the victories in the other two first. So this uh, completes that. So big, big shout out for that. Again, only 32 drivers in the history. They've won at the top three. Yeah, uh, I really like his um, way of celebrating, too, of getting out of the opposite door of his car. He said he's one of the only guys that can do that because he's so small. I saw where he made the the comments about that, that that would be his trademark and, yeah, being able to do so. Again, being able to take a little bit of a shot at himself, uh, if you will, but good to see that kind of good-natured person uh, as one of your victors in the Xfinity series. The one thing I take away from that, what we got all there out of all that, and we just talked about Venturini um, Motorsports in the 
Arkham Menard series, here in the Xfinity series, what college racing is building, and they are still building. They're not quite to that peak level yet, but we have now seen uh, A.J. Allmendinger and now Justin Haley win. So Ross Chastain is the one that picked up the $100,000 bonus in a college racing team by finishing second. Um, what that what that team is building and becoming, I am, and I was really hoping, I know you mentioned that we, you were trying to get Justin Haley uh, to have another first-time winner on, but again, just the team aspect of what that organization is becoming. Oh yeah, it really it really showed this weekend when after the race, all three of their drivers, AJ Allmendinger, uh, along with Ross Chastain and Justin Haley, were out there celebrating uh, their one-two finish and the fact that uh, both of them were winners of uh, uh, the race as well as winners of that Dash for Cash bonus. So uh, really, really nice to see that kind of camaraderie. Yes, and now going into this next race at Pocono, two out of the four are college racing teams. So, again, the odds of picking up a, another one, pretty good. Uh, one yeah. one thing there to hit on, and I know it just popped into my mind. I'm not going to share all the details, but the number eight of Jeb Burton finishing uh, third for his first top ten in yeah. two races at Talladega Super Speedway. Yeah, I, I, I won't take it as a whole. I'm sorry, what did I say? Yeah, Jeb Burton. <laughs> um, that Junior Motorsports number eight team uh, has been Daniel yeah. Hamrick for several weeks. J- junior drove it. Jeb Burton now driving it. Again, I'm just so impressed with what that team does in the rotation of drivers that they continue to put up such great finishes and give these drivers. And I know we've talked about Daniel Hemrick, whether or not he'll get back to Cup. He's not full time with the team, but the opportunities that this has got to bring about with how well he has raced. Jeb Burton looking at what he might be able to, uh, whose eyes he might be able to attract, whether it be within the junior motorsports organization for full time for next year or another team. And I know junior motorsports is about that. That's what that organization is, is developing drivers, hopefully for within their own organization or up to the cup level with Hendrick Motorsports, whom they have ties, hopefully keeping it within Chevy. But it is one of those they know that no matter what, it is driver development that needs to keep this sport going, period. So the opportunity that they give for drivers is just tremendous. Yes, indeed. Now, before I go over the rest of the uh, uh, finishers here, I do have some post-race audio uh, from Justin Haley that I'd like to play. Uh, just, uh, Just his opening comments here, if you can allow me that. Uh, again, driving the number 11 for Colleg Racing. Uh, we'll listen to his post-race comments. Hold on. Welcome, everyone. Be excited at once. Here we go. We are joined by today's winner, Justin, <laughs> Justin Haley, driver of the number 11 Leaf Builder Cutter Protection Chevrolet for Colleg Racing. What an exciting finish here at Talladega today. Walk us through those uh, final laps. You know, it was crazy. Obviously, we had a really fast Chevrolet all day. Um, I think the surprising moment was when the eight gave uh, me and Ross and, and lined us up together. We all know how fast these DCR college racing cars are. So, teamwork, baby. Um, I pushed him to the line of Daytona. He pushed me here. So, it's an incredible, incredible day. Incredible to get Lee Filter, uh, their first win. I know it's been big for the 11 car. So, super special for me. Outstanding. We're going to open the floor for questions again. If you, if you all right. 
So he he talks about uh, how Ross Chastain, uh, you know, the teamwork there that you were talking about, Jay, uh, he pushed Ross to the win, and then Ross pushed him to a win. So that's pretty cool to hear. It is, and I think just like with Venturini, they talk about that, and I know uh, some other teams we, we've had some issues with between teammates. Uh, I don't know that we've seen that with the college racing, but the, when an organization really sets that as their standard, I mean, you can just see that and, and what that builds and how it helps the team. Yes, indeed. Uh, going down the running order here, Austin Sindrick came home with that fourth-place finish. Then it was Brett Moffat rounding out the top five. Uh, the next five were Anthony Alfredo. What a great run he had. Uh, finishing sixth, uh, A.J. Amendinger, another colleague racing driver, finishing seventh. Greg Galding uh, was runner-up last year, finished in eighth place this year. Alex LeBay finished in ninth, and Noah Gregson finishing tenth. Now, <clears throat> it should be noted here, too, that Jeff Burton actually qualified to be one of the drivers to contend for the Dash for Cash, but because he's a part-time driver, he was not scheduled to race at Pocono next week. So they went down the list to who would be the next guy to qualify. And um, <clears throat> so uh, I believe that was Alex LeBay that's on the list. So uh, if something happens and Jeb gets sponsorship and he's able to run in that race next week, then they will change that and Jeb Burton uh, we'll be able to go after that dash for cash as well. Okay. Seeing that again, I know that they, they are splitting up that, and I didn't know what the schedules, how they aligned um, to see what Junior Motorsports would do with that, or again, if Jeb could get in another car um, with sponsorship to make that race. Um, hopefully that happens for him. If not, again, that opportunity for, uh, what did you say, Alex LeBay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a big opportunity for him. All right, now uh, let's give some other stats here. Uh, the number 11 won the first stage of the race. It was the number 98 of Chase Briscoe winning the second stage, and, of course, Justin Haley won the race. There were six caution flags for 22 laps, 22 late lead changes among just 12 drivers. So uh, we mentioned earlier Jesse Little being the highest finishing rookie of the race. Uh, and uh, uh, any comments there with regard to uh, that, those stats or, or the rest of the top ten there? No, some great runs. And one I want to hit on there, and I don't know, again, you have to follow along with the uh, 0-2 team, and I don't have that team ownership right there, but Brett Moffitt. I believe that was his last scheduled race, but with how well they've run, got another top five out of the deal um, that there was the possibility of him maybe getting more rides, uh, sponsorship and rides in that number zero two uh, freight auction Chevrolet. Yeah, that would be great to see Brett, uh, Brett Moffat race in the Xfinity series full time. If he's able to, to uh, pull that off. Uh, let's go ahead and move on now to the uh, Talladega points report for the Xfinity Series. All right. A little bit. I had that a minute ago. Uh, points. 
standings. Here we go. Uh, Noah Gregson still your points leader by 15 points. Again, has five stage wins, 15 playoff points uh, with two wins. Next is Chase Briscoe, three wins, two stage points, and 17 playoff points. They're separated again by 15 points. A little bit of a gap there. Now you got Austin Sindrick in third, 43 back. Ross Chastain, 47 back. Harrison Burton, who also has two wins. Fortunately, had some rough finishes, 70 points back. But he does have the 10 playoff points to build build on or set himself up in the playoffs. Six yeah, through. Did so you want bad. to do six through? No, I, I was just going to say I felt so bad for Harrison Burton. Uh, he's had 10 consecutive top 10 finishes. Uh, broke the record. Uh, I think the previous record was nine. Uh, and this race he just ran into some unfortunate, uh, nothing of his own doing uh, type of wreck and uh, broke that streak. So uh, big accomplishment for them, though, having those 10 top tens in the first 10 races of the season. It was, and it was a shame to see that broken. But, again, he did, like you mentioned, set the record. So um, hitting six there in points, that'll be Justin Haley with that one win, now has six playoff points. Brandon Jones also with one victory, seven playoff points, is currently in seventh. Eighth and ninth, those are uh, junior motorsports teammates, Justin Algar, Michael, and Nett. Ryan Sieg still in tenth. And then for the Xfinity Series, we'll go through 12, Riley Herbst and Brandon Brown. And now, in the, and that was one of these 219 points back. Um, 13th is Daniel Hemrick, who, again, is didn't make this race, so now I believe he is eight races out of the 11. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, whether or not he's in that car next week or Jeb Burton, we'll have to wait and see. But outside that, the 14th, 15th, and 16th, Myatt Schneider, Josh Williams, Alex LeBay, and then rookie Anthony Alfredo. And they are at minus 284, which is 30-some points off of the 12th place cutoff. Now, again, a victory automatically moves you up. If not, you've got to make up those points and get in that top 12. And we've seen some good runs from Maya Snyder, Josh Williams, Alex LeBay, and Anthony Alfredo. So it is possible, but they've got to be consistent week in and week out. As those guys above the line, they certainly are. Okay. Um let me see if I can see the entry list here and tell you who's going to be in that eight car. Uh, it is going to be Daniel Hemrick at Pocono in the eight okay. car. Okay. Well, we'll make a note of that and send it to Mike. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay. So it's, it's going to be exciting. I know, uh, uh, there's a little bit of a gap here between uh, first and third, but uh, I think that there is a top uh, group here that's starting to kind of cut gel uh, with Noah Gregson, uh, Chase Briscoe, and Austin Sindrick uh, being kind of the big three of this year. Yeah, and I just closed that down. Um, again, you're going to see the cream rise to the top. I know Chase Briscoe said that, he feels like he kind of got overlooked last year because of the big three and feels like he had to go out and win eight races to prove something. I don't see that, but he already has come out with three this year, um, certainly showing that. 
we talked about Noah Gregson. This kind of maybe being a break, make or break year for him. He's come out with victories. Obviously, some issues on track of maybe a little too aggressive. But one of the things I look at, and you hear car owners and, and crew chiefs talk about, it is easier to rein a driver in than to push him forward if they're not aggressive enough. Um, so, mm-hmm. with the case with Noah Gregson, as we've talked about, I think that's a good thing to be on that end where they can say, hey, you need to pull back a little versus what do you do to motivate somebody to go harder? Right, right. Uh, I hear what you are saying there. Okay, uh, I do have some more audio here. We've got a couple of minutes here. I'm in the wrong section now. Um, let's see if we can listen to one more audio before we move on. Uh, I could go with uh, the crew chief, Alex Yance. Ross Chastain, Jeb Burton, uh, one of those guys, if uh, you want to, shall we listen to one of those guys? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, let's go Let's go with Ross Chastain, the teammate uh, there with College Racing. Okay, this uh, coming up here is Ross Chastain driving the number 10 for College Racing. Okay, we are joined by today's runner-up, Ross Chastain driver, the number 10 Nutrient Ag Solutions Chevrolet for College Racing. Uh, Ross, uh, that was quite 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 a show out there. Tell us about your experience there in the Unhinged 300. Yeah, it uh, turned out good, and that's all that matters. In these places, if you can finish, uh, you've accomplished something. So um, we were strong all day, and uh, our green flag pit stop, I mean, that's how you draw it up uh, when, you want, when you want to pit, get on pit road, and the caution come out. You're able to restart with all your teammates up in the front. Um, that was really good. So, unfortunately, Anthony in the 21 sped, um, and I knew it. As soon as we got on the brakes off turn four, he was leading me, and I knew he was going to speed. So, he got back up there and was there to fight with us at the end. But, uh, you know, it definitely was good. Um, you know, felt really good, I'll be honest. It, that was the best I've ever felt, finishing second, for sure. Okay. All right. Uh, that was Ross Chastain. Any thoughts there, Jay? Well, I like the fact that, and we've heard him commented himself, of he's not there to make friends, he's there to win races, but being part of that colleague racing team, like he said, that's the best he's ever felt finishing second, knowing that it was his teammate getting his first victory um, and then getting the uh, $100,000 uh, dash for cash. So uh, there again, it's one of those you like to see that mentality as the team. They're saying, hey, we need to rein it in a little, especially when it comes to teammates. I know we haven't seen any issues with them, but Ross Jastain is one of those drivers that does tend to fall into that category of maybe a little too aggressive and selfish on the track, but you need that. So I like the fact that he did say, hey, I finished second to my teammate. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah, no, I'm good with that, yep. Uh, because a lot of times the drivers aren't really good with finishing second at all. So, uh, yeah, that was really good because that, that again, shows that team attitude uh, that they have there at College Racing. Okay, uh, we're a little bit early, but let's go ahead and move on to the Cup Series at uh, Talladega Super Speedway. Uh, They raced the Geico 500, the 51st. Our Geico 500 at Talladega Super Speedway on Monday, <clears throat> and uh, the race winner was Ryan Blaney at the age of 26, 
driving the number 12 Menard Sylvania Ford uh, for team owner or for team Pimsky and crew chief Todd Gordon. He won. Uh, it was his fourth victory in 175 NASCAR Cup Series races. His first victory and seventh top ten finish this year. His second victory and fourth top ten finish in 12 races at Talladega Super Speedway. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. finished second by ooh, such a slim margin. Uh, he posted his ninth top ten finish in 14 races at Talladega Super Speedway. It was his third top ten finish this year. Our Eric Almarola finished third, posting his ninth top ten finish in 21 races at Talladega Super Speedway. Now, John Hunter Nemechek finished eighth. He was the highest finishing rookie. Ryan Blaney, uh, 2019 and 2020, becomes the eighth different driver to win consecutive races at Talladega in the NASCAR Cup Series. Pete Hamilton did a sweep in 1970. Buddy Baker had a 1975 sweep. And then again in uh, 1976, Daryl Waltrip uh, did a 1982 sweep. Dale Earnhardt, 1990 and 93 to 94, as well as 1999 sweep. Sterling Marlin did it between 95 and 96. Dale Earnhardt Jr. between 2001 and 2003. And Jeff Gordon did the sweep in 2007. Uh, This is Team Penske's ninth victory at Talladega Super Speedway in the Cup Series. That is the third most of all time. Uh, It's also Ford's 30th win at Talladega Super Speedway in the NASCAR Cup Series, which is second most of all time. Any thoughts there? A lot of of different things to talk about there. First off, congratulations, Ryan Blaney, uh, crew chief Todd Gordon. We talked about that, the Penske shuffle-up, how that was going to work out. All three of them now do have victories. And we've seen Ryan Blaney, and I said it to start the year in those first races before the uh, COVID-19 shutdown, that I thought week in and week out he had the strongest car and ran up front the most. Since they've been back racing, kind of lagged off, but we saw him coming back here in recent weeks. And so I think this victory was long overdue as far as that. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., whether it be in a Chevy or a Ford, we've seen he can be a great plate racer. Sometimes uh, what they call aggressive moves, causing the accident, that's part of it, but that is what it takes. And he showed that it isn't about the car, necessarily the Ford, as this week or this year he is in the Chevrolet. Eric Almarola, that third-place finish, almost – I really had to take a second look at that. I thought he might going to win the race going backwards. Uh, a little bit of a shuffle up there at the start-finish line. He, his car was around backwards but still got third place. And give a shout-out the John Hunter Nemechek in eighth, where he was the highest finishing rookie. He was actually battling fourth or fifth and had the move gone right. Things worked out a little bit differently. We could talk about Mm -hmm. him being either second or first. I know that incident with Eric Jones is what triggered that at the end. I don't know that any driver did anything wrong. It's super speedway racing. They were trying to do, made a move that could have pushed him to the front. Unfortunately, it put him in the wall. Um, but he was in there battling at the end and still got an eighth-place finish out of it. Yes, indeed. 
now, before we go on with the rest of the um, uh, finishers here, I do have post-race audio from Ryan Blaney in the number 12 team Penske Ford, uh, and we'll listen to his opening comment uh, right after winning that race. Ryan Blaney in her second. While uh, we wait for uh, Marissa to walk him into center square. Oh. Uh, uh, for the BD on a statistical nugget. 177 green flag passes from the lead today. A little blue data at the most in 2016 at LA. So exciting race. And with that, we have the winner of this exciting race, Ryan Blaney. Ryan, uh, pretty emotional day. Wild race. Want to take us from start to finish for you, being uh, close friends with Bubba, and, and then winning uh, at Talladega and a thrilling finish. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely a you know a good ending to the day for sure on our end. Um, being able to, to inch him out uh, there at the line, um, but you know uh, the start of the day, um, you know all the drivers on on pit road pushing Bubba's car and uh, showing their support. Uh, it was just an honor to be a part of that. Um, you know, not only the drivers too, but the crew members uh, and the fans that were in attendance as well. NASCAR, um, you know, that's that's something that I think everyone will remember for a long time, and it showed how much we support uh, not only Daryl. Um, you know, it's, that was the main reason we were doing it, just to support Daryl. But you know, everybody that's that's been impressed not only the past few weeks, but for a long time. Um, and you know, what happened yesterday uh, was disgusting and I don't understand uh, how, pe- how a person or people can have that hatred in their heart for someone who just looks different than they do. Um, it's never something I'll understand. Um, and I, it was, it almost brought me to tears when Bubba told me yesterday uh, what, what happened. And, um, you know, he doesn't deserve that. It, no one deserves that. And, uh, you know, but, but I think the good thing is what we, you know, us as a community came together, showed our support, and uh, I know he really appreciated it. And, um, it was the least we can do to, to show that we're behind him 100%. I'm always going to be behind him 100%. Uh, I have been for 15 years, and I, I hope to make it, you know, 50 more being behind him all the way and uh, supporting him every step along the way. So um, that was definitely a special moment to be a part of before the race. Okay, some interesting comments there uh, from Brian Blaney. After winning the race, it wasn't just about him. For those, and we saw that to start the race, the unity of the NASCAR garage community uh, always, you know, those of us that have been been involved in NASCAR around it know what that means to be part of that NASCAR community and stand by one another. So that was a great show. Some great comments from Ryan Blaney um, in his post-race. Yes, indeed. Let me go ahead and go down the rest of the list here. I know uh, there's a hot topic uh, that's kind of uh, in the fog there, uh, but we will get to that hot topic uh, during our next half hour for Hot Topic Sound Off. Okay, uh, next we have Denny Hamlin finishing in fourth. Eric Jones finished fifth. I felt bad for Eric. Uh, things didn't go quite well for him at the end of that race, but he still was able to get a top five finish out of it. <clears throat> yeah, like I said, uh, that that move at the end there could have gone one of two ways. Unfortunately, went to the negative side, but did still get that fifth place finish. Going back from there, sixth through tenth, 
Chris Busher, Alex Bowman. We talked about John Hunter Nemechek, Kurt Busch, and no surprise, Kevin Harvick. Those two, again, were up there and racing throughout the day. Uh, I love these Talladega races because we do see some drivers up front. One that, and I don't know where he finished, um, there were a couple that looked like they had a shot, and I know at the end there it came down to fuel mileage, and Ryan Blaney had been strong all day, and I think Ricky Stenhouse was another one, Eric Almarola. Those guys had been up front all day. There at the end had kind of faded back because they were saving fuel. You can save more fuel. And I learned a lot watching that broadcast of how much of a difference the fuel mileage is from the guys running at the front of the field and leading the pack versus being second, third, fourth Mm -hmm. in line. And those guys knew that, knew that they wanted to have a shot at the end, drop back and to save that fuel and have that be able to make that run at the end where some guys had to pit and a couple guys run out. So, uh, again, so much of this goes into teamwork. Crew chiefs, uh, we talked about this in our group messenger. Crew chiefs had to be wore out by the end of that race yesterday. <laughs> Talking about the rain delay, running under different uh, heat conditions than normal, uh, the, the tire wear, the tire strategy that came into play, and then the fuel mileage, uh, just unbelievable. And the possibility of more rain coming, and they might only be racing for 10 more laps. So uh, I feel for crew chiefs yesterday, let me tell you. Okay. Looking at the next five, I know you already mentioned Chris Pusher in sixth. Uh, Alex Bowman finished seventh. John Hunter Nemechek, the highest rookie, finishing eighth. Uh, Kurt Busch in ninth. And Kevin Harvick rounds out the top ten there. Uh, I also want to give you some of the stats from the race. Uh, The number eight car, uh, that was Daniel Hemrick. No, that wasn't Daniel Hemrick. The eight car is Tyler Reddick. Tyler Reddick. <laughs> Tyler Reddick uh, won the first stage of the race, the number 47 car, uh, and that is uh, every year it changes. Rick, That's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Yes. Uh, he finished the second stage. There were eight caution flags for 33 laps. There were also 56 lead changes among 19 drivers. So that was a lot of lead changes at Talladega Super Speedway uh, for that race. Uh, Let's go ahead and go over the uh, points report, Jay. All right. Let me get down to that. And here we go. It is still Kevin Harvick. He's been on top of the board now for a while, 23 points above Joey Logano. They each have two wins, 11 and 13 playoff points, respectively. Ryan Blaney moves up to third. He had been the top driver uh, without a win. He now moves up to third with that one win, six playoff points. Chase Elliott and Brad Keselowski are fourth and fifth, both in double digits. They have 10 and 12. Chase Elliott having one win, Brad Keselowski two. Sixth spot goes to Denny Hamlin. Now, he does have three victories, so 18 playoff points. Uh, We'll have to wait and see as the get closer to the playoffs how that shuffles up these standings. But as of right now, Denny Hamlin, those three wins, uh, put him back at the top of the leaderboard. Seventh, that would be Martin Truex uh, with seven playoff points, Alex Bowman with nine, each of those having one victory. Now in ninth is where we get into drivers that do not have a win yet now, Kyle Busch, Kurt Busch, Jimmy Johnson, and Eric Almarola, and those will be your top 12, 13th through 16th, Clint Boyer, William Byron, Matt DiBenedetto, and Tyler Reddick. 
Now, two things to look at there. The cutoff line for the playoff championship is 16th. Right now, Tyler Reddick has it at 306. Eric Jones right behind him at 305. Austin Dillon, Chris Buescher, Ricky Stanhouse, Bubba Wallace, and John Nemanjevic. we talked about. They're a little bit further behind, but again, that one win could move them up. The other line I wanted to talk about real quick when we're talking about these points, and I believe this one shifted this weekend, is the 12th. The top 12 in points when they redraw or do a random draw for starting lineup for the first race at Pocono. This weekend at Pocono will be a doubleheader racing on Saturday as well as Sunday. First race is going to be the top 12 from the points in a random draw. So that 12th spot is a very important cutoff line. Now Eric Almarola, Clint Boyer got shuffled out. Jimmy Johnson moved a little further up. So that's a very important one. The second race at Pocono, that lineup will be an invert, I believe, of the top 20, if I'm not mistaken, from Saturday's race. So, uh, so a couple of things to keep in mind heading into this Pocono doubleheader this weekend. Okay. So uh, a, lot, uh, a lot there. And uh, it is a doubleheader. They'll be racing both on Saturday and Sunday this weekend at Pocono. Uh, I believe, let me take a look here. Um, on Saturday, it's the Gander Truck Series racing at uh, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time with the Cup Series racing at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time at Pocono Raceway. Uh, the trucks will be on FS1. The uh, Cup race will be on Fox. Then on Sunday, you've got the Xfinity Series racing at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time with the Cup Series again racing at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Both of those races are on FS1 on Sunday. So uh, uh, a big, big race weekend this weekend, all three series racing, along with the Arkham Menard Series uh, at uh, Pocono, and then you've got the Arkham Menard Series West, That'll be having a doubleheader out at Utah. So, uh, big weekend of racing this weekend. That's certainly going to be uh, without a doubt, and I look forward to that. And I, it's very unfortunate that the fans, the way that the, the season has progressed in this situation, um, were taken out of this equation because that was going to be. I know you and I have experienced the Chicagoland Speedway where they have four different yeah. events over four days. ARCA Trucks Cup and or, uh, Xfinity and Cup. Uh, this was going to be the Trucks uh, Xfinity and a doubleheader for the Cup Series. Um, unfortunately, uh, the way things have gone, the fans not going to be in attendance. Um, and then you also have the ARCA, which I don't remember if that was originally scheduled for that weekend or not. But I think it is something that NASCAR is really looking at as far as providing the most racing action they can in a weekend so that it is a weekend experience, not a one-race uh deal exactly and uh this is going to be a big weekend at pocono we've got a little extra time here jay so i wanted to get into our fantasy uh racing uh thing for uh fan for racing all right give me a second to pull that up uh let's see we'll start uh with the truck series and they'll be back in action now uh, this one, only a few fewer races in. Really tight battle here. Owen is at 18. Andy at 17. Sharon, you're at 15. I'm at 14. James is at 
12. Mike and Sam are tied at nine. So only nine points from top to bottom in that series. Again, limited number of races so far with them, but pick that up this weekend when they hit the track at Pocono. And I don't think the truck series we have any. Yeah, I think the only one I got a couple of cup picks in so far. Um, Sam will be kicking us off uh, here for the truck series. I haven't seen anything from him yet. So moving up to the Xfinity series, uh, Andy's got a little bit of a gap on this one. He's at 46 points. I moved into second this past weekend at 35. Sharon right behind me at 34. Nipping right there is Sam at 29, Mike at 22, Owen at 21, and James at 16. And going up to the Cup Series, this one's been pretty tight all along. Uh, gapping a little bit. I'm, at, I'm leading that one at 58. Andy's now at 50. Owen moved into third at 47 over Sharon at 44. Then is Sam at 38, James at 25, and Mike at 22. And for the overall then, uh, Andy still obviously was the first one over 100 at 113. I closed that gap a little bit to 107. Sharon, you're just short of that 100 mark at 93. Owen is at 86. Sam is at 76. And then Mike and James tied at 53. And I know in the Cup Series here, uh, I, think I, I think I put it in the messenger for the group. Uh, James did pick uh, Martin Truex. Uh, Sharon, your pick is gone. And for the second race, he took Chase Elliott. So that means Mike's pick is gone. <laughs> okay. I'll have to send out a message to Owen after the show and see if we can get his picks as well. Um, okay. And yep, then Owen is we're up still next. waiting. Yeah. We're, we're still waiting on the others, right? Yep. Normally, normally we get those in between Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, I know it's not a rule, but we do try to have them all all together by Thursday night's uh, preview show uh, as best we can. Sometimes we get them in during the show, actually. Yes, indeed. And I know the guys have been busy working uh, some extra hours this week. So uh, hopefully by Thursday we'll have all that info. All right. Uh, so let's see. Where do we go from here, Jay? <laughs> well, you'd uh... – you said it was just going to be me and you, correct? Yep. I don't think anybody else is calling in tonight. I could be wrong. Okay, I know. I know that uh, Mike had said he was pretty busy all week, so I didn't. I, I hadn't heard or seen from Andy. And I know Andy you know, can't make it for tonight either. Okay. So it is going to be just you and I. Um. <clears throat> I'm just trying to think if we missed anything. I think we really covered everything pretty well. I guess we yeah. could listen to another audio. Okay. What you, what you got? Well, uh, I can't play the whole thing. There is the Steve Phelps thing, but uh, it's a 13-minute uh, uh, audio, and I don't want to take up that much time with it. Um although we could kind of carry over into the hot topics with that. What do you think of that, if we play the audio yeah, I, from Steve Phelps? That would, that would be a good place to start, as obviously that's going to be a hot topic. Yes. Okay, there was a teleconference this afternoon. If you watched Race Hub, 
you probably heard it, um, but uh, Steve Phelps came out and NASCAR made a statement uh, that goes along with this. I'll go ahead and read the statement first. Uh, This is going to carry us into the NASCAR hot topics for tonight. So uh, the statement from NASCAR reads as follows. The FBI has completed its investigation of Talladega Super Speedway and determined that Bubba Wallace was not the target of a hate crime. The FBI report concludes on photographic evidence confirms that the garage door pull rope fashioned like a noose had been positioned there since as early as last fall. This was obviously well before the 43 team's arrival and garage assignment. We appreciate the FBI's quick and thorough investigation and are thankful to learn that this was not an intentional racist act against Bubba Wallace. We remain steadfast in our commitment to providing a welcoming and inclusive environment for all who love racing. That was a statement that came out from NASCAR uh, just uh, prior to the teleconference uh, with uh, Steve Phelps. And in that teleconference, uh, they, um, well, you'll hear it on the audio, I guess. Um, I'll let the audio speak for itself. Again, this is a teleconference with Steve Phelps following the NASCAR statement. It is about 13 minutes in length, so, or actually, I guess they're given seven minutes here. Oh, also, it should be noted that Steve Phelps mistakenly referenced Saturday night uh, during the audio, but he does correct himself at the end of the teleconference to refer to Sunday. So uh, just be aware when he says Saturday that he meant to say Sunday. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, and thank you for your patience and for standing by, and welcome to today's NASCAR teleconference. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. As a reminder, this conference is being recorded. I am pleased to turn the floor over to our host, NASCAR's Eric Nyquist. Hey, thank you, and uh, good evening, everyone. Appreciate you making this time on short notice. As you saw earlier this afternoon, um, the FBI uh, released a statement as it's concluded its uh, federal investigation of the matter. Um, NASCAR also released its statement along with that. Uh, In addition, um, while we are still working through our own investigation, while the federal investigation may be finished, uh, we thought it was important that we had Steve Phelps add some additional uh, comments. He wanted to speak to the media here on this. Um, We will not be taking questions uh, after his initial comments. As I said, we're finishing our part of our investigation, and at a later date, uh, Steve will be made available to answer any follow-up questions that you might have. Uh, again, we appreciate your time on this, and I'm going to hand it over to Steve, who's going to address uh, uh, some comments and additional information on this. Steve? Great. Thank you, Eric. Um, thank you, Reverend, for participating in the conference. Uh, I know we're a few minutes late. We had a couple of technical difficulties. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank the U.S. Attorney's, U.S. Attorney's Office and the FBI for their obviously very swift and thorough work. Um, as their statement had, con- had said, they've concluded their investigation and at Talladega Super Speedway and determined that Bubba Wallace was not the target of a hate crime. Um, for us at NASCAR, this is the best result we could hope for. You know, this is uh, you know, disturbing to hear that uh, it was thought that, that one of our own 
um, had committed a, uh, this heinous act. Um, it is fantastic to hear from the FBI definitively that there was not a hate crime. Um, I do want to make sure everyone understands that if given the evidence that we had was delivered to us on Saturday night uh, or late Saturday afternoon, we would do the same thing. We would have done the same investigation. Uh, it was important for us to do. There is no place in our sport uh, for this type of um, racism or hatred. It's not part of who we are as a sport. Um, you know, I, uh, I want to make sure that um, everyone understands that our portion of this with the FBI um, was something that was, you know, we, we were very cooperative, as, as you would expect. Um, we provided them with uh, roster information, photographic and video evidence that aided them um, in, their, uh, in, their, um, in their conclusions. Additionally, the industry was very supportive. Um, you know, the, the, not just the members of the 43, and I want, I want to be clear about the 43 team. The 43 team had nothing to do with this. The evidence is very clear that the noose that was in that garage had been in the garage previously. The last race we had had there in October, um, that noose was present. And it was, um, you know, the, the fact that it was not found until a member of the 43 team came there um, is something that uh, is a fact. We, we had not been back to the garage. You know, it was a, a quick one-day show. Um, the crew member went back in there. Uh, he looked at the, at the, saw the news, brought it to the attention uh, of his crew chief, who then went to um, the NASCAR series director, Jay Fabian, and we launched this investigation. To be clear, we would do this again. Um, that of, of the evidence that we had, it was clear that we needed to look into, into this. So again, I want to thank the FBI for that. I also want to talk about yesterday. Um, you know, yesterday, you know, to me, um, as a sport, was one of the most important days we had. It's one of the most uh, and, and kind of an indelible print on my mind uh, until the day I die that seeing the support that Bubba had from not just the drivers, but all the crews, all the officials who were down in pit row, anyone who was part of that footprint, everyone wanted to show their support for a family member of NASCAR. We are one big family. We are one large community. And everyone's belief is that someone was attacking a member of our family. Um, it turned out that that was not the case, but at the time, it. That's what, people, that's what our industry thought. So drivers, crew, our officials, everyone supported Bubba Wallace and the 43 team. Um, and that was a very powerful image in, in not just the history of our sports, but I think in all sports. So you know, with that, as Eric said, we are continuing our portion of the investigation to try to determine why there was a rope fashioned uh, into a noose. Um, which obviously happened sometime last October or before, uh, and we'll do that. And when we have further information, we will get back to the media, and, and at that time I'll be happy to answer any questions. So I appreciate everyone's time. Um, you know, it's a, as I said, this is a, uh, a great conclusion for us uh, and for Bubba to, to understand that we are, you know, that he was not, um, he was not targeted.
Okay, there is a little Just more. one correction to make. Obviously, I had said I had said Saturday night. Um, it was actually Sunday night. When you when you race on Mondays and you re- usually race on Saturday uh, on Sundays, uh, I had my dates mixed up. So to be clear, um, this came to our attention on Sunday night, not on Saturday night. And with, and with that, um, I'll turn it back over to Eric. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate everyone making the time. Uh, to to tune in here for this and to get some additional thoughts from Steve. As I stated earlier, um, while the federal investigation is finished, and as Steve noted, we're going to continue our process and our due diligence on this um, to understand how and and why uh, Anus was present in the garage at any point. Um, And we look forward to following back up with that. We'll provide an availability to answer additional questions at that time. Again, I appreciate everyone's time, and that's all we have for this evening. Okay, a lot of information there uh, from uh, uh, Mr. Nyquist and Steve Phelps. And, um, you know, I did see some uh, follow-up on some of those comments as well. Uh, Bob Pachris reported that every garage was checked, and uh, there was just one garage that had a uh, pull uh, on the door like that with with the noose configuration. So uh, none of the other garages had that type of a pull on their garage doors. So the other part of that, there was one other uh, piece of information. Um, Okay, Uh, Matt Weaver reported that in a follow-up message from NASCAR PR uh, intended to include the following statement. We Oh, that's the one that I mentioned. We checked every garage stall. Only one had a noose as a part of a pull-down. So that was uh, that statement. Uh, I thought there was one from Bob Pachris, too, but I guess not. Okay, so what are your thoughts there, Jay, about uh, uh, the situation? It starts, of course, with the report uh, that uh, we all woke up to yesterday morning, uh, that there was a noose in Bubba Wallace's stall, the number 43 car stall, and uh, uh, I think everybody kind of knows the rest. The, the whole community uh, joined in to show support for Bubba Wallace at the start of the race yesterday uh, is all a part of that. I could take in there, and I've seen a lot of the different opinion from the public and otherwise. Um, I do feel that NASCAR did have to do something to investigate it. A lot of people are of the opinion that maybe they should have gathered more information before the initial report came out that there was a, was the noose in his garage, that that information should have been uh, investigated first to say, okay, there was, it wasn't a noose form, but it was the garage pull-down handle. It has been there since October, which NASCAR is still looking into the fact that that was the only one, you know, of what why it was that way and happened back in October. Um, so, and I, I think somebody somebody in the group, maybe I don't remember, said you know that that they jumped the gun with it. I don't know. They're in a tough position. I mean, with it, with the situation in the world the way it is right now and what's been going on. Um, it put them in a bad position. It, it, it really did, and I think they 
needed to react. I'm not sure if they did so in the best way. Uh, and I, I struggle with this. I, I feel for them because, like I said, I think they were put in a bad position um, with the with the world the way it is, and, and it happened to being an African-American driver in Bubba Wallace, um, the position they were put in. Uh, they may should have gotten a little more information before that first initial release came out. However, it's one of those of that I think it was going to come out one way or another, and it's better that it comes out from NASCAR, and they're doing their due diligence. Exactly. They did an investigation, and they are now saying, hey, this is what we found. It wasn't what we initially thought, and that's a good thing. Yes, I feel like they were in a no-win situation. I think they did what they had to do. Uh, If they had waited and not given the information and then it turned out to be something more, uh, a lot of people would say, well, why did you wait to tell us? So I think they did what they had to do in that situation. Um, And I'm glad that they were able to come up with an answer uh, relatively quickly and be able to kind of, like he said, it's the best case, uh, it's the best they could hope for uh, as far as a response as to what it is. So in that respect, I think it's very, very good. Um, I think NASCAR had to do their due diligence, and I think it's important to note they are still doing their due diligence. Even though the federal investigation is over, NASCAR is still uh, conducting an investigation into how that happened, uh, especially considering that it was the only one in the garage that was like that. Um, And let's make it perfectly clear, there's a lot of people think it's just a a loop uh, that somebody tied a loop on the uh, door pull. It's not a loop. It's, it's It's a noose. Uh, that was put together on that door pole, and uh, that's what makes it unique. The fact that it's the only one in the garage makes it really unique. And uh, I can see where there could be, um, you know, like you said, with the environment the way it is right now, um, I can understand where they might uh, come to the conclusions that they did and uh, want to have that investigated. So I think NASCAR did the right thing. I don't think that they acted hastily. Uh, I don't think they acted, uh, I don't think they should have waited. I think they did what they should have done. And uh, I'm glad that uh, it was a good result. And on the point of the drivers all uh, banding together behind um, uh Bubba Wallace, uh, it was very emotional. I was sitting at home getting very emotional watching all of those drivers and crew members walk behind uh, Bubba Wallace's car. He was inside the car, and some of those drivers were pushing the car down pit road. And it was very emotional to see that kind of support. Jimmy Johnson explained later how it all kind of came together. He had a lot of phone calls I think they said it was Kevin Harvick's idea uh, to push the car down put, down uh, pit road to the front of the line and uh, for everybody to show their support by walking behind. And uh, I, I really applaud them for doing that. 
when you see a whole community come together like that. Uh, and as Steve Phelps put it, a family, they felt a family member was being threatened, and they were there to say, we've got your back. Uh, and and I think that's a, a very good thing for this sport. And, and uh, I know a lot of people said that they're embarrassed. Um, and while I can understand that, uh, at the same time, uh, there's a lot to be very proud of. There is, and you're right. It, 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 yeah, it, it is twofold. Um, like I said, they could have released a statement saying that there was a situation in the garage that they were addressing and then came out with what the investigation showed and the fact that it wasn't the case of something directly against Bubba Wallace in, in the hate crime um, versus it kind of did stir some stuff up with their initial report of what it was because it led a lot of people down the road that, you know, somebody within the garage being that there were no fans in the garage area. Um, but I do, I do agree that they, they did need to act. They brought in the, the FBI and, you know, how that all went of doing their invest, investigation as well as continuing with the fact, okay, it was not done now at this time, but why was it in that configuration? The fact that it is the only one that has done such and, you know, I've had different ways to, to tie a knot or a handle to a garage door. So yeah. um, that particular manner, yeah, is uh, different. I'm not going to, you know. I, it's not it's the a tough first situation thing you would think right of, now. right? Well, and, and I think part of that is had somebody seen it in October, they might not have thought so with what is going on in the world right now that is where our minds and our thoughts are at. So I think part of that is just the, the current condition we're in that kind of led to that of maybe going down the wrong road initially uh, again of that's not what it was. Well, then why was it posted as such to begin with that because of what's been going on in the world, that's just where your thought goes, you know, no different than any, any city that's concerned when they say there's going to be a protest of the possibility of rioting that, you know, could be a peaceful protest, but you don't know because the others haven't been. So there's that concern to react better on this side and prevent it, prevent something that maybe it wasn't even going to happen, I guess, if you will, versus trying to react after something has happened. Exactly. Um so, yeah, I think I applaud NASCAR for what they did. Uh, the FBI, the Attorney General, uh, they all acted, I think, uh, uh, with expeditious. Uh, they were expeditious about their um, investigation and and forthcoming with what it ended up being. So I think that that is uh, a very, very uh very uh, good all the way around. Uh, I wanted to report here, too, that Adam Stern is reporting that uh, Bubba Wallace is scheduled to be on CNN's Don Lemon show tonight and will address the situation. So uh, if you get a chance to take a look at that, uh, you can hear Bubba Wallace's comments there. Uh, but he's got to feel good, Jay, uh, knowing that the entire uh, NASCAR Garage was there to support him in this time. I, and I do, I do think that was a very, like you said, emotional show of support um, within the NASCAR community within that garage. 
again, whether it be a family member, uh, a coworker in this case, uh, another driver, that, that camaraderie and showing their support of that, I do think was a, a very tremendous thing to have done and, and a necessary thing um, as with what's going on, that bonding together to say, hey, we're going to stand together. Uh, it's not about one. It's not about this or that. It's we are here together. And I think that is yeah. the message that really needs to come out of all of this. It, it tends to get overlooked, uh, and I, I don't want to go too far into this. I know we've talked about this before. Uh, everybody has their own opinion on that, but I think that that the the thing that needs to come out of this is the unity together. And you know, and that and that's one of Bubba Wallace's on his stance is that it's got to be a together thing. Exactly. Exactly. And. And, again, I just applaud everybody who took part in that. Um, It had to be scary for them, too, to know that somebody within the garage um, might have been responsible for that. Uh, And to find out now that nobody was, uh, it had to be reassuring. Most certainly. And, and like I said, that's an unfortunate thing that's going to kind of get overlooked is that they were making sure that it wasn't that way whether they reported it as such to first or not to begin with, the ultimate outcome is that we can say it was not. So, I mean, that is a good thing to take away from that is the final outcome. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So um, what's your hot topic, Jay? I'm ready to move on. You know, um, I, thinking about this even through yesterday, I, I didn't see or didn't have as many. I, I know I normally come with a list, but, uh, the one thing that in my mind still is, and, and we talked about it a little bit there, from early on, Ryan Blaney with the Team Penske, we have now seen all three Team Penske's win as far as the mm-hmm. best, strongest organization. Um, you know, we've talked about Denny Hamlin has, is the driver with three wins, but he's also down in six in points. And they're on and off as a whole. That team, Kyle Busch hasn't won yet, which I don't know if we've said that very often. Um, Martin Truex got a win but hasn't been a top running contender week in and week out Eric Jones again we see this every year is always seems to be the the I don't want to say lacking one but um, the fourth fourth of the four car teams I mean let's be honest the fourth of the four car teams so is Stuart Haas I'm sorry uh, Penske Racing the top organization and really the one to look at as far as, again, we got to already start be thinking about that championship. Well, you, you got to kind of think so. Joey Logano started out very strong before the uh, break for the pandemic. Uh, and then coming back, it seemed like uh, Brad Keselowski uh, was starting to come on strong and, and Ryan Blaney has been there uh, in, you know, all season long. So I would have to say that Team Binsky looks to be uh, the top organization right now. But that ties into what we've talked about here before as well. Uh, Sometimes when you peak too early, are you able to keep that momentum up for the next 13 weeks uh, going into the playoffs? Uh, And we'll have to kind of wait and see how that continues to play out. Well, and the one thing the one thing that I look at, and this ties into what was our hot topic to start the year, was that crew chief shuffle up. 
we talked about it mm-hmm. last year with how good the teams were and where they were at and to mix that all up. And I know that may have caused some issues within the team. Uh, we, we touched upon that as far as Brad Keselowski, and we still haven't heard anything there as far as what his future plans are. But right now he's focused on running the number two for Penske racing, winning races and going after the championship. So with that, we have seen now again, all three of them win. Uh, we talked about that of maybe Joey Ogano and Todd Gordon being the best crew chief um, combo, although Paul Wolf and Brad Keselowski had been together for a while. They were winning races, but not that championship, and that's what Penske wants. You still want to win races. That's how you get to the championship, but you got to win that championship. So willing to take that step and say, hey, we're good. We're not great or even better and unbeatable, and that's where we want to get to. And I think a lot of that drove that was Toyota's dominance last year uh, with the 19 wins that they had. So I think that's where that organization was looking at is like, we're good, but we're not good enough. What do we got to do to be better? So taking that chance, and right now it appears to be paying off. They're at least still in line with where they were last year. Toyota is not, so that kind of puts them at the top of the board. Mm-hmm. It does. It does. Uh, now, I think other teams may start uh, picking up momentum, though, as the season continues. Uh, and Hendrick Motorsports certainly has the possibility of doing that. It seemed like they were coming on strong. They kind of uh, backed out a little bit, and now it seems like they might be coming back again. Um, but uh, and, and same thing with Joe Gibbs Racing. Uh, they seem to be starting on a little bit slow this season, uh, but I would not be surprised to see Joe Gibbs Racing kind of pick up some momentum and uh, in these next 13 weeks uh, that will set them up for uh, the playoffs as well. So uh, time's going to tell the rest of the story, Jay. It will. Um, like I said, and that's how we're looking at it right now. It is still early, and, and I know we've seen this, like you mentioned, the, the peaking too early, uh, being good at the wrong time. You know, last year, too, we thought Kyle Busch hadn't won since July, comes back, wins the championship. So that's not eliminating anybody. But when you look at how strong they are running and, and where that leads, uh, generally, if you're running up front, you're winning races. If you're winning races, you're going to win a championship. That's right. That's right. That's the way it works. Okay. Uh, let me bring up uh, Justin Haley again, because one thing I don't think we've mentioned uh, in our conversation about him winning uh, the race this weekend is that uh, that qualifies him for the all-star race on July the 15th. He's going to race with Spire Motorsports in that. Well, actually, it's his his other win that qualifies him for the all-star race uh, with Spire Motorsports. He's going to be racing the number 77 car. Um, so this was as a result of his Cup Series win, not his Xfinity Series win. So that's kind of cool to see Justin Haley uh, getting excited and, and ready for that uh, all-star race. It- that is one of those of uh, I had seen that there was the possibility. I hadn't seen the official uh, announcement that they, that they were going to. I had very high hopes and expectations that they would. Again, that's an opportunity um, go for a hundred thousand uh, dollars, you know, for that race. But the exposure for that team again, a building team, 
They had a good driver in there. I know, again, you see some of the comments, uh, he's only winning because it's on the super speedways. That's where he got his Cup Series win, now his Xfinity Series win. But we've seen that with A.J. Allmendinger. Oh, he's only a road course winner. He finally got his first oval win. And that first win isn't what made him a good racer. It just it checks that off so people can't say that anymore. <laughs> I mean, truthfully, you know, <laughs> um, because we've seen where he's had good runs and had shots at winning other oval races. Something or another just didn't play out right, and he didn't get the victory. But you got to, again, watch the entire race to know how they ran and where they finished versus where they finished and see what kind of driver they are. You can't just go by that finishing order uh, in a particular race. That is so true, because a lot of times the finishing order is not indicative of how well they ran throughout the entire uh, race. Uh, Now, it was just announced today, Jay, uh, that Haley is going to be in the All-Star race for Spire Motorsports. So he must have been able to uh, pull together uh, the sponsorship that he needed to participate in that race. So he won that Rain Short and Coke Zero uh, sh- zero sugar uh, last July at Daytona, so uh, that's what qualified him for that all-star race. Uh, so yeah, I think it's pretty cool to see that happening. Uh, he'll be up there with all the big dogs at that all-star race on uh, July the fifteenth. Well, and I think think that this year, uh, again, with what he does in the Xfinity Series and going after the championship is, is going to show that as far as what kind of talent he is. And we've talked about a couple of different drivers in this case, and it is not a derogatory thing against Spire Motorsports, but they are a very young, budding, and developing team. Uh, we talk about where he's at with College Racing. They have been there for several years and have been building and are approaching their peak level and have the right driver in there now drivers, Ross Chastain, Justin Haley, and then A.J. Allmendinger running in there part-time with them, um, showing what that organization can do. Well, they all got to start somewhere. And so this this win for Spire Motorsports, huge deal. Them being able to get into the all-star race and and get that attention, you know, is a big deal. So I, I'm happy for them, and, and hopefully that leads to what we see in the Xfinity series of more organizations being at a closer top level. You know, again, when we talk about at the cup level, you start naming Hendrick Motorsports, Joe Gibbs, Penske. Well, these other teams got to get there. They got to start somewhere, and this is that building block for them. So I think this is a huge step in that building process. Okay, real quick. I don't know how much more we have to talk about, but uh, we are coming up to that 1030 mark, which means that we will go off the air Uh, However, we can continue recording no matter how long we uh, continue to talk uh, after that time frame, and that will be available on our podcast. So uh, I just wanted to make sure uh, fans knew that when we go off the air, it doesn't mean that uh, we have stopped talking. And they can hear that on the podcast. I'll go out on Twitter with that information when that podcast is available. If you've listened up to this point, just fast forward to the two-hour mark to hear the rest of the uh, conversation, which uh, they won't hear that until the podcast because I went off. Okay, so with that, Jay, um, I didn't mean to cut you short there, but I had to try to get that in as fast as I could. No. 
and that's why I wrapped it up. I hadn't been watching the time. Normally I am, but I hadn't seen that, so no no problems there. Okay, so did you have anything else that you wanted to uh, talk about here tonight? You know, like I said, I really, I mean, some great racing there at Talladega, which uh, I know some people aren't fans of, but there was some great racing. We saw some great finishes. Um you know, like I said, I, re- I really didn't have a have a list this after this weekend. Normally, I do have several, but uh, there wasn't a, wasn't a whole lot. Unfortunately, it was one, just the one. Okay, well, uh, then let's I'll hit on a couple of news items. Ryan Vargas is going to run multiple races for JD Motorsports. I know he's pretty excited about that. He's uh, going to start uh, at Pocono Raceway uh, this weekend. Uh, driving for JDM, and uh, trying to see if it says which car he's going to run. I'm not seeing it real quick here, but he is going to be in a JD Motorsports car, so uh, definitely uh, keep an eye out for Ryan Vargas uh, this weekend. Uh, He's going to be in three Xfinity Series races with them. He'll race at... uh, uh, I, well, oh, last year he competed in three races at Iowa Speedway, Road America, and Phoenix Raceway. His average finish was 20.3, with his best finish coming um, of 17th, uh, and that was in his debut at Iowa. I believe you and I were there at that race. Um Trying to see if it says how many races he's racing in. I was going to say I did with that, and I and I wouldn't have remembered if if that if that was where it was Iowa or Chicago, but I did do an article on him and a, a great interview. Uh, great, I remember great that. person to talk to. Yes, great person to talk to. And again, it's one of those. I'm so glad to see him get this opportunity again. Uh, I know there's a couple of drivers that get those limited starts. And, and whether they can get funding, and I know that he works very hard at doing that, so I'm super excited. Uh, again, that might be one of the most pleasurable people I've talked to in doing a driver interview uh, with Ryan Vargas. Yeah, he's a very upbeat kind of guy, and uh, we have had him on the show here a couple of times uh, when he was racing with Rev Racing uh, in the uh, Canon Pro Series, uh, and and. Uh, he hails from La Mirada, uh, California, so he's one of the West Coast drivers, uh, and I'm glad to see him get this opportunity with J.D. Motorsports. He's also uh, one of the NASCAR Next uh, members from 2018 to 2019. So uh, it just goes to show uh, part of that program. I don't know if they're still doing it or not, but part of that program uh, is to identify up-and-coming drivers and future stars of the sport. So they did a good job there uh, with Ryan, and I look for him to have some good runs. I certainly do, and that's another one. And we've seen uh, several drivers that have had stints in the J.D. Motorsports, uh, Ross Chastain being one of them, if I'm not mistaken. Another organization that is in the building stages, if you will, I know that um, that team puts a lot of their own money into those cars and getting cars on the track don't always have the best finishes, uh, but you got to look at uh, what they put into it. And as they get 
certain drivers or certain finishes, the more exposure they get, the better finances they can get, the better equipment they can put on the track. Uh, I think that's one of the next ones we could see as, especially in the Xfinity series, that isn't a cup-affiliated or backed team really come up and start to battle with some of these other top cup teams or sub-cup teams, however you want to call it. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Now, some other news uh, that came out today is Stuart Friesen is running three races in one day to raise money for food banks. So uh, he is uh, starting Friday night at Albany Saratoga Speedway. Uh, He'll start competing within 24 hours at three different racetracks. Uh, So Friday night at Albany Saratoga Speedway, then Pocono Raceway on Saturday, and then Orange County uh, Fair Speedway uh, following that. So three big races uh, to raise money for a good cause. And, uh, again, it's for the food banks, local food banks, uh, and separate potential donations. Um, uh, On Saturday afternoon, 5,000 for the top 10 finish, or 10,000 if he wins. Uh, He's got donations uh, in those instances for his finish at Pocono. So just an added uh, uh, part of what to watch for uh, in that truck race on Saturday. Well, and and I think more importantly, an underlying thing there is, and again, if you're a casual fan, it's not by any fault that I don't think this this things like this get enough exposure. So I'm glad you brought that up of, you know, these drivers overpaid. All they do is drive the car. That's not true. Uh, you know, and one of them that I think, <laughs> think gets overlooked in a bad rap uh, for that aspect is Kyle Busch. I mean, Joey Logano is another one. The things they do with their foundations, you know, that don't get talked mm-hmm. about, and they don't do a lot to promote it because of that, for that reason, is it's not to promote themselves as far as the Cup Series driver. They do it for the cause, and so it is for the cause. It's not about them, so they don't publicly do a lot of broadcasting about it. I know when drivers, you see drivers that come up into the booth that do the broadcast that's part of that deal is that they do get that opportunity to talk about their organization and what's going on. We've seen it with Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano and Kyle Busch. So, but they don't really get the credit for what they do do off of the track. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So I'm glad that we did have an opportunity to kind of highlight that and, uh, uh, try to make sure that, uh, Uh, he gets recognized for putting forth that effort. Three races within 24 hours is going to be a whole lot of racing and all for a good cause. And and like I say, there's some big donations there uh, based on how he finishes in that race at Pocono. So uh, kudos uh, to uh, Stuart Friesen and what he's doing for the local food banks. I don't really have anything else either, Jay. I think I've been through everything. All right. So well, let's yeah, like I said, I didn't have any others here. even coming into. All right. Uh, you can follow me on Facebook at Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ8 on Twitter and Instagram. And hopefully this weekend I will actually be over at the Talladega short track, the Hornet's Nest, uh, for some dirt track. <laughs> Might possibly get to see Hall of Famer Red Far- Hall of Famer elect Red Farmer 
Uh, I'm sure he'll be out there in a capacity some way or another. Uh, I'm sure he will be. And uh, that's pretty cool that you'll get a chance to, uh, to interact with him. Uh, I am Fan for Racing site on Twitter. We are Fan for Racing blog and radio elsewhere, including the website fanforracing.com. Uh, and we'll continue to provide coverage over the weekend of racing. It's going to be a big one. Uh, I know we've been doing our individual um, you know, uh, race chat. We can't seem to get people to participate with us in those chats um, for whatever reason. Uh, but I know as a group, uh, we've been having a good time uh, chatting throughout the races and interacting with one another. So uh, if you do get a chance to interact with us, uh, what we've been doing is using the blue icon that's on the on the website and doing our race chats there uh, versus posting them on the page uh, where we weren't really getting a lot of activity. Uh, so... Uh, I'll just put that out there that if you want to join us, uh, click on that blue icon in the bottom right corner, and uh, you'll be able to join us uh, as part of that conversation. So I'm sure there's articles that are coming in this week. Andy usually does a Hot Topic article. I've still got the uh, Tracks article from Mike. I hope to get that up this week. And, uh, Jay, I don't know if you're working on anything right now or not you know i had a couple that i that i originally was before the covid uh i'll have to revisit those and look at um what what i can apply now because obviously things change so um i will look into that and see what i can come up with i know what's been uh been great having mike has put up some uh, some great ones there as he joined the team um looking forward to yeah. reading his as well as i know and then we'll uh, have we're going to talk to there you go. I was just going to mention his, I, and I do like that, and I hope to do to see the. Uh, and I'm trying to think. It's not the who's hot and who's not. The winners and losers. There we go. Winners and losers. I was trying to think of how he how he had his his titled and worded. <laughs> yeah, he does the uh, Owen Stewart does the uh, power ranking for the Cup Series, and then he also does the winners and losers. Uh, he hasn't been doing that because of the way the schedule has been. Uh, but we're kind of hoping that he can get back to that perhaps this week. So, uh, But definitely look for the power ranking uh, to be coming out this week as well. Well, I always look forward to that. And, uh, I mean, that's one of those I know it's subjective, but I thought he has done a, a great job with that. Uh, whether or not I always agree with where he has all the drivers are moving up and down, you know, that's another thing. But that's what makes this sport as well as this group, uh, like you mentioned before. We we can disagree on things. Mike and I, you know, we take jabs at each other. Um, but we have a good time with it. Exactly. Exactly. Now, I should mention, too, uh, today we put up the preview, or yesterday, actually. No, today. Uh, we put up uh, the post-race recap from Sam uh, Bornhorst, who's also a part of our fan racing group here. Uh, every week he does a recap of uh, what happened in the uh, Cup Series race. So in addition to the NASCAR Wire, uh, he usually does a good job of breaking it down by stage uh, and letting everybody know what happened in each stage and who the stage winners were. Uh, so that's worth uh, checking out as well. 
Most All certainly. Right. Uh, uh, looking forward to it. Okay, we should shout out to our listeners too, Jay, because uh, we appreciate all of them uh, for taking the time to tune in to hear what we have to say, whether it's on the live broadcast or the podcast. Uh, we do appreciate all of our, our listeners. Most certainly, it's one of those things I wouldn't be doing without them. You know, uh, I know oh, okay. NASCAR did uh, has been doing some races without the fans, but it's just not the same. It's not. Uh, And then I should say we'll be back uh, Monday night for the review of the racing at Pocono, as well as at Utah race for the Canon or for the Arc West. And uh, then Jay and I will be back next Thursday night with another preview of the upcoming weekend of racing, which is at Indianapolis, I believe. Uh, So that's going to be a busy weekend as well. Uh, So, again, thanks for tuning in. And uh, I think we're ready to call it a wrap, Jay. All right. Have a good night. We'll talk to you on Thursday. Good night, everybody. Take care. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. 